You are listening to KYRS Medical Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. Welcome back to your Hot Mess Sunday. Hot and very messy, but uh, maybe less hot than it's been in the last week. Yeah, we're we're cooling off from a really long week. I mean, we had our huge project debut this this Yum. week, this Thursday. Project X happened down at the Riverpoint campus. Uh, thank you, first of all, to everybody in the community who came out to support that. They got to feel real special on the red carpet, get the paparazzi. Exactly. And watch a really amazing film. It was a good film. And the discussion afterwards was... Fantastic. Lots of good questions. Very informative. Yeah. The panelists were very humorous. They were. I enjoyed that part. I, I, they were really well chosen. So Kyle Richardson yeah. actually uh, came up with the panel and, you know, was in charge of that. So thank you, Kyle Richardson from Spokane AIDS Network. Yeah. And so it's a big deal for us that we finally, that's been about six months in the planning process. And so we were thrilled. And so we do want to thank our major sponsors, Nine, of course, who sponsored that event. And then uh, Spokane AIDS Network, who partnered with us to bring that event to town. So it was a lot of fun. There was good food. The caterer was brilliant as always absolutely she was uh, yeah and so. you can check out your pictures we'll be posting them on our website with a link on facebook to your paparazzi glamour pictures right. on the red carpet with you know the whole beautiful thing <laughs> this is my favorite part so everybody that came in that we knew we actually made them have pictures on the red carpet with us yeah <laughs> so i really feel like all of the pictures are going to be like us. Yeah. Like, you you and me and people <laughs> right. there. Yeah. Right. And there were others. <laughs> but we were definitely there. Yeah. We so were. That was a lot of fun. And I'm that glad was. That, that happened. And we can, well, I was going to say we can sleep, but we can take a nap in July. So later on. Yeah. We, yeah. Have, we have too much, too much stuff to do fun in June. And yesterday, do. actually, Pride, of course, happened. So we were down there. We were asking you questions, walking around. The big camera. The out. big camera. So if you got on film, yay for you. Right. And thank you to Alice Spokane for throwing. Actually, it looked like one of our largest Pride events that I we've would had say so. mm-hmm. since we started. It really did seem. And um, also a big shout out to our friends over at Queer Sounds who were in charge of the main stage yesterday. They brought you all of the entertainment that was on that stage. And we... Uh, we're kind of working the booth next to it to help out mm-hmm. with that. And that mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. And you and I got to go on stage and read the governor's proclamation and the mayoral. The mayoral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mayoral, mayoral proclamation. Mayoral? Yeah. I don't know. David Condon. Yeah. So, yeah. Watch so that out. was really cool. Charlotte D was there, who's running currently against um, Mayor Condon. You know, so it was funny because I was on stage reading the mayoral of David Condon's with my Electar Lichty <laughs> with your little sticker, sticker on. on there, and I because we had run into her, she yeah. was eating pizza. Yeah, so she was giving all those, <laughs> yeah, all those stickers out, putting them on people. Yeah, just snap. Like, some actually, some girl came over to me and started like feeling the sticker yeah. for some reason, and it was <laughs> a moment before I realized that she was wanted me to talk about the sticker because i thought what are you doing yeah, like just feeling your that was very your chest. i felt yeah. very inappropriate but <laughs> flattering but very inappropriate yeah no so it was a it was a lot of fun it was a good day we marched in the parade uh we showed yes, our support we for the transgender community mm-hmm. and marched with them down the streets and that was fun there was the moment where there was a camera on the side as we're walking towards it and i tripped you because uh, I didn't want the pretty boy to be in the shot. I needed it to be me. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> and they everybody pointed and laughed and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So you I can choose to maybe believe they that. cheered for me. I don't know what point in laughing. No, no, no. no not at all. Now, this weekend, this upcoming weekend, we're going to be at uh, in Seattle for Women's Pride. And then 
immediately after that, we'll be down in Tri Cities for Mid Columbia Pride hosting. Uh, and I'm yeah. seeing Mid Columbia Pride, so, yeah. so it's going to be a busy weekend for Christy us. Christy Orr and her team down there—they came up to be part of our Pride, and then, yeah, and so we're very excited. That's coming up really quick. Very quick. Found out we're going to ride in the parade, so wave at us as we. Mm-hmm. We'll do the elbow, through. elbow, wrist, wrist thing. You know, <laughs> touch right. a pearl, blow a kiss. I think that's what it is. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you, I'll we marched you. with I'll our intern Gwen back there, and she had it down to a science. Just doing the whole, I yeah. told her she was practicing, she's practicing her pageant li- Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. The parade queen. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm a model. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she is. Now. She is. Yeah. So thank you to Christy for that. And also thank you to our friend Sarah Tochi, who yeah. is uh, in charge of the Women's Pride in Seattle, as well as gave us a little hand in getting Julie Goldman, who we talked to a couple weeks ago. So yeah, and we're going to be stalking her and tracking her down. We will. And letting you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. There's there's no getting away from us. No. We will find mm-hmm. you. As we've been told too many times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But today's a packed show. We have, in the second hour, if you stick around, we are having Greta Christina, who is going to be at Mid-Columbia Pride doing uh, a public speaking engagement Mm -hmm. there. We're having her on today to talk about that. She is one of the top uh, renowned atheists in the atheist movement. Uh, We always do that spiritual horizon kind of thing. We've had lots of people on before. Uh, This will be the first time we have the atheist perspective. Um, She is known to be controversial and, and strong opinionated, and I think that makes for an awesome interview. Exactly. Plus, so. she's a huge supporter of the LGBT community. She is. So there's going to be a lot to talk about with her. Yes. So, but before that, there is a guest in studio today. Right now, sitting in Across our presence. Every once in a while, you know, we, we snag somebody. Um, and we try to make them of some importance. And so I'll tell you right now <laughs> that Brian Schaefer is the assistant chief for the Spokane Fire Department. Uh, that means he's second in command of the Spokane Fire Department's organization and oversees the deputy chief, which means training and operations, division chief, which is communications, and integrated medical services, civilian director of EMS. His overall responsibility includes strategic leadership of the organization. So we want to welcome Brian to the program. Dum, 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 dum. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's here. Much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being here. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, you know, to tear yourself away and have to show up in a... I guess it's afternoon now. It, it is, is afternoon. Have to drag yourself. It's officially. afternoon. Right. Drag myself in. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, go. we appreciate that. Let's talk about why we reached out, and actually, we've reached out to all. You know, we've been working with the the police department, police department mm-hmm. a lot lately for questions that started back in February. Yes, with the Jacina incident right across the street from us at Boots Bakery. Exactly. And why don't you remind our listeners so what that incident was? If you. Uh, don't remember or don't recall or weren't there. The Jacina incident. So essentially, a transgender uh, woman was at uh, Boots and she got attacked by the neighboring by people at the neighboring bar Zola, mm-hmm. uh, who threw slang terms at her and trans uh, slurs and and really were not very nice and started to kind of beat her. And so then, of course, the uh, police and the authorities were called and upon the scene. Uh, the, you know, people say that there wasn't a very friendly environment even after the authorities had arrived. So we've kind of been investigating, kind of been, well, not investigating. We've kind of been asking questions and looking at, we are definitely not investigators. No, Um, but one of the main things was we wanted to start. So on this show, we like to start conversations. We don't, because 
I, they, I, we believe strongly, and there's three sides to every story. There's, you know, this side, that side, and the truth. And we're more interested in that than in just assuming and making bashing comments. And this, I mean, because I know you weren't on that scene, but what started this to us is, oh my gosh, what do our public uh, figures, what do the public services we have out there, let's start talking about uh, what's the sensitivity training like, what's the state of that because people are people we've been working for the last few months with the police department and they've been nothing but uh wonderful and easy to work with so it's just a conversation we want to have on because we don't know as people so let's start there when it comes to training um the people who are first responders and the people who you know there's so much diversity in every community what kind of training is put involved in case it's a, a culture or, or something that is, it might be different than the culture of the one of the first responders. Well, you know, I, I really want to, if I can start mm-hmm. and talk about the incident itself, Definitely. because I had to, I had to investigate that. Yeah. yeah know, obviously absolutely. the police department absolutely. got involved. Yeah. I met with, uh, Jacina personally, one-on-one at boots Perfect. and, uh, just about everybody that was involved. One of, um, like you said, there's always three stories. There's always different perceptions. Mm-hmm. What I realized really quickly was, the perception that the firefighters were being insensitive was primarily because they weren't calling her by her name. Sure. Okay. And so I sure. sat down and analyzed the scene, and what had happened was we had her driver's license. We, being the fire department, had her right. driver's license. The officer, uh, officer meaning the person that's in charge of the fire crew, uh, the the tablets that we use, they scan the barcode of your driver's license. Right. Mm-hmm. And and when the officer did that, it popped up with a different name. Right. And gotcha. she was mm-hmm. she was injured. She couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. So she she could speak partial partial words, almost mumble. Right. And um, one of the uh, the people in the crowd, which you can imagine, were very friendly mm-hmm. and very supportive of her, said said her name, said her name to the provider, one of the firefighters. The firefighter told the officer, and the officer said, "No, it's not. It's this." Well, she couldn't. She kept trying to say, "No, my name's." Jacina right, and, and right, not Jason. Right. And so, I mean, the perception was the firefighters weren't being s- sensitive to the right, situation, sure, but sure. the reality was they didn't understand. They didn't have that foundation of uh, of understanding when it comes to the transgender community, how they mm-hmm. identify is, is, right. is how, they, how they would be preferred to be spoken to. So, um, well, we, and as we know, the ID laws are all across the nation when it comes to transgender individuals. Makes it hard for a lot of people to change your your ID. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. never easy yeah. either. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's just, it was a very uh, challenging situation. One that exactly what you mentioned. We do not train people on how to come, uh, how to how to deal and work through those situations. So I interviewed one-on-one every one of those firefighters that was there, and their hearts are definitely in the right place, and they meant no ill will. Mm-hmm. They were very – they are very open-minded and sensitive people. Uh, I, I believe that in my heart 100%. And I met with, I met with uh, Jacina and everybody that was – the majority of people that I, that I could contact through Facebook and through just hanging out at Boots and meeting people – um, and, and put the put everything together and realize really quickly that, that we needed training because we don't right. do yeah, any training at all. Right. So I reached out to June and Bob, and, and mm-hmm. the fire departments hired them, and we actually start the entire 300-plus person organization is going to be uh, really uh, involved in sensitivity training, sensitivity development training mm-hmm. led right. by the community. So we're actually going to have them in our culture immerse 
each other and and the collective cultures and come out much better and much able to respond right. when those situations come up. So when does that sensitivity training start, or has it already began? Tomorrow morning at zero nine hundred. Tomorrow yeah. morning, yeah. we are right there. We are yeah. on. Awesome. Yeah, the you guys horizon. called it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. How long is that training expected to last? <sighs> Months, yeah. because of our work shifts. So sure. we yeah. can only take so many people out of service to do it. But it was important for Jude and Bob to actually have them. Um, kind of captive. So there's right. not going to be radios pulling people off for calls. Right. So we're actually going to mm-hmm. be committed to this tw- two sessions every day for months. Uh, the way our shifts work, there's uh, 16 work sites mm-hmm. throughout Spokane. We call them fire stations and there's four platoons. So somehow we need to get all those people right. in. It's kind of a big matrix, but it'll probably take us six months. Oh, I'm sure. Now, what sort of diversity sensitivity training was ever in place prior to this? You know, obviously our culture changes as we go, but what was prior to this in place? There never has been any. To, really? Yeah, to be okay. quite honest yeah. with you, because I think I think the leadership, myself included, has always had the expectation that everybody shares the same values and sees the same right. things as we mm-hmm. do. And, and what we realize, not only with this incident, but really uh, just within some of our outreach, uh, we don't understand. And sure. and it takes uh, it takes a big step, especially in a very traditional organization like ours, that's focused on all this life saving, mm-hmm. you know, uh, crazy type A training that we have right. to do that's mandated to take a step back and say, you know, we could do this much mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, thanks so much to, to Jude and Bob and, and their organization for being willing to help us out with that. They designed a really good program and it's actually, um, it's actually going to pr- proliferate throughout the city of Spokane. Cabinet members and department heads are invited to these also. So I could, oh, wow. I could probably bet that you're going to see streets and parks mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. many of the other departments reaching back to them to bring them in as well oh, into their own organizations. Well, that's huge. A, a whole citywide almost uh, kind of sensitivity training. Now, have you, aside from the incident uh, at Boots, have you seen any other uh, LGBT community, um, you know, mistrust or conflicts with the fire department or any community at all? Not, not really. We, mm-hmm. We've had experience with, a, with another transgender person um, that I've reached out to before, just on multiple uh, medical calls sure. and um, haven't ran into the same situation, but we were very familiar with her. And um, I think there's always an opportunity to improve because um, the community is certainly not going away whatsoever. Yeah, right. So right. we need to adapt what uh, what we do to uh, what the what the community asks us to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Do you, what do you think that the uh, with these public um, services that we have, what do you think responsibility wise there is for this culture kind of reaching out to the different populations? You know, that's always been a priority of of our organization to do that because, you know, it, it's not only it's not only this community. We also had this huge baby boomer generation that mm-hmm. just turned 65 that we're trying to adapt our medical services to respond to. Right. Uh, we now have social workers that work mm-hmm. for us in the fire department and probably one of only a handful across the country. Fire departments can say that, but we're trying to be on the leading edge and adapt our services to what the community profile is or what the needs of the community are. So it's it's a much different, more, uh, uh, I guess, community risk perception than or perspective than it, than it would be a traditional, you know, calls when there's a fire. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, right. We could do better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, especially when it's, you know, a lot of the fire department is the first responders, you know, that team is right there on the scene before anyone else is. I think that's definitely important. Yeah, that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. yeah, over here. And, and we just had a convergence of sure. so many different first right. responders. Yeah. Why do you think it has uh, taken this long to have some sort of cultural diversity training implemented in, in the public services? Why has there not been one before and why has it been this long? You know, that's a great question. I think it's it's priorities. I sure. Honestly, for so long, you know, when I first came here 10 years ago, we had to lay off 40, we lost 49 positions and we gave pink slips to 29 people. Mm-hmm. And and we've just been behind the behind the curve. Every yeah. single year we've been yeah. trying to rebuild and, and improve and rebuild and improve. We were able to get some of those positions refunded. And then you just you respond to crisis after crisis after right. crisis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's important from a leadership standpoint to step back and and really get reconnected with the community and see are we really meeting our needs are we not and how right. can we do better? So I think it's just a it was just an issue of time more than more than anything else, and the culture of the fire service and I'm speaking of the fire service in the United States, not just Spokane, but it's a very very traditional solid uh, organization that. You know, we've been here for 130 years in Spokane. Right. There's not a lot of effort to change anything. There's, sure. right. yeah. we have organized labor. We have a lot of, a uh, lot of focus on keeping things the same. And and, you know, from a leadership standpoint, we're trying to constantly push right. that. We want well, to push that culture and and make some changes. Well, I think you make a uh, a good point. And uh, you know, Sergey and I, when we've been working with the police department, it's it's become very obvious. You mentioned culture. There is a culture all in itself to the fire department. There's a culture all in itself to the police department. It is this – there's so much uh, time spent with each other, and there's so much because it's such an intense – there's a lot of uh, um, – you know, you're dealing with high-pressure situations that it is going to create its own world. And so I think that's important to realize that, oh, what we're really doing is introducing two cultures together. And, you know, that – and I think um, – that is a lot that we need to remember as mm-hmm. we're doing that, as we're making bridges, I guess, is that, listen, this is, these are cultures coming together. And to, to make a bridge to any culture, it takes effort on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, uh, I think we're there. You know, I, I think we've got a path to move forward. I think we have a lot of connections that we've never had before. You know, we have LGBT uh, members within our own organization. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But unfortunately, a lot of them aren't out mm-hmm. right. because of the culture, mm-hmm. and uh, that's you know we have to we have to deal with that internally. Mm-hmm. We have to. Uh, I'm hope, hoping that we can use this as kind of a springboard to do some serious diversity recruitment. You know, we just we just changed our entire hiring process, mm-hmm. and with a went with a company that is nationwide. What we've done for the past 130 years is we've uh, we've told everybody in the spokesman review, hey, firefighter hiring, city of Spokane, friends would call friends, but we right. over them mm-hmm. greater experiences. They've just been people from Spokane sure. or the, or yeah. a region. Well, we we're reaching out nationally now, mm-hmm. and we're trying to increase the diversity of mm-hmm. our workforce. This is just one way that we're working with civil service to do that but that was a change that took years right sure. years against sure. the institution years with bargaining years with people um sometimes progress through retirement to get to right. where we are today mm-hmm. right exactly. we've got a long way to go too yeah absolutely well it's good to see that there's so much positive change happening in you know one of our main departments here and especially that after one incident there's been you know such a positive 
uh, change and reaction to it with sensitivity training. So uh, thank you for that. And thank you yeah, for definitely. coming in today on a yeah. Sunday. I do have one more question. Um, so I now this is a, a totally different culture, which is the the military. But I was talking to a friend who's in the military and he kept telling to me and he's a heterosexual friend of mine. And he said to me, listen, we're there to do a job. And that's what we're concentrated on because there's that very crisis mentality, which is going to happen, especially in our police force and our fire department. Do you ha- do you find any pushback of, come on, boss, we're, we're doing our job. Why do we have to do this as well? Is that any part of it? Because I know in the military that has been some of the pushback. They yeah. Yeah, we definitely do have some of that. And mm, yeah. and I think you're going to, you know, because. If you look at a firefighter, uh, a apparatus operator, lieutenant, or captain, most of those positions are, are task-level positions. They don't necessarily see the larger picture, but it's our job as leadership to help them understand the bigger picture because there is a tie with how you communicate with patients or victims or friends of victims right. and, and the patient's outcome. So that's, that's my job, and making sure that they understand mm-hmm. the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and, and they will, and we've... We've been through uh, similar, you know, after AutoZem, we've, we've been through similar types of situations where we've had, uh, we've had to bring in people from the outside to help our folks see the bigger picture. And, and 99.999% of the time, it's been embraced and we've come through the situation much better. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with the AutoZem and, uh, and the AutoZem uh, tragedy, and I'm sure that's what's going to happen here. Nice. Well, I have sure. to say, uh, we love that you're you seem very transparent. It's very odd that you'll find someone who represents a whole department to be willing to say, listen, we, we have a ways to go and we're working on it. And we're, it's a very honest approach. And I have to say, I think that's where we have to start, which is honesty that both sides need to work together. Yeah. yeah. We're neighbors so. too. I yeah. Mean, right. right. I know door. you're right over there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're we excited. We're going to have to check in with you yeah, as please. this, during this, uh, whole sensitivity training. But, um, I love that, like Sergey said, you guys have taken such a positive step to respond to to such a tragic well, incident. I'll, I'll make an offer too. You know, I'll send you an email later with uh, the dates, and you guys are more than welcome to come if you want to audit. Love one of the classes. that. That would be cool. Yeah, that, that would be that would actually very be cool. Yeah. So remember, everybody, uh, say hi and be nice to your local firefighters out there. <laughs> if you see Brian out there, definitely give a wave. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to us. Uh, you can send them to listeners at hotmesssunday.com and always look at our Facebook page. We'll send some links out um, uh, for this as well so that you know. So support your local firefighters. They're working hard for us. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, guys. So now, of course, because we are the cheesy hot mess Sunday we that we cheesy. are, we are going to be playing a song, and it's going to be We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joe, because <laughs> how appropriate. Right? There you are. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. This is Dan Savage. Thank you, Dan Savage. Our friend from Seattle and currently working on his new ABC sitcom. Uh, so here's Dan. Yeah. I love Dan. Um on our show a few months ago. Now, we want to make sure before we go into this next segment that we invite everybody. I can't imagine people not having an opinion. Everyone's going to have an opinion. An opinion. And we mm-hmm. welcome your opinion. So, if you have one and you get past the screeners in there, um, remember, keep it uh, clean. Uh, don't get too out of hand. But the radio, the number here for listener line is 509-747-3807. You'll understand why we asked you to call in in two seconds. Because who are we talking about? We're talking about Rachel Dolezal. Of course we are. And who isn't? Who isn't? And it's as national. of this morning, so is CNN. Exactly. And in the New York Times. It's in the New York Times. It's on BuzzFeed. It's on every, anywhere you look. 
we're going to be talking about the white lady who pretended to be black. Yes, and That's here's the thing. What happens. There's a big conversation going on mm-hmm. out there right now because, of course, a lot of people are saying, you know, more good has been done since Rachel has been, you know, right. Miss Dolezal right. has been taken over the NAACP chapter here in our lovely city of Spokane. But then this story breaks... And it breaks, you know, her parents came out and said they live in Montana and they're like, hey, we just want people to know she is saying that she's of African-American descent. She has even posed with the man that she said was her father. All of these are lies. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has called uh, her brother her son because they had four African-American children adopted into the family. Here's the thing. First thing I want to say is. We definitely don't have all the facts. I don't think anybody has them all right now. Right. Exactly. But we have enough to go. Hmm. This is a conversation there that needs to be had. Are a lot of things happening with with Miss Dolezal, which is which is interesting. I mean, lots of lying, obviously, lots yeah. of pretending, and mm-hmm. uh, as much good as she has done in the community, there's a lot of things that you have to kind of look at and see. Well, does this really ju- do, do the ways really justify the means? Right. I mean, because the hmm. biggest question is integrity. Yeah. How can you trust someone if they, and let's be honest, her own brother was uh, stated in the CNN interview that he felt like she took some, a simple lie and she made it so elaborate, it was going to fall. Yeah. You know, she had asked him to help her keep her cover. I mean, it was getting out of hand. What makes a person go from this Caucasian girl in her family to over the years slowly, it's one thing to celebrate a culture that is not your own. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to, you know, wish you were part of that culture that was not your own. But then to publicly state in documents and things of that sort that you are that culture. Yeah. It's difficult. You know, exactly. she's a professor at Eastern of African-American studies. Of African-American she, studies. She is on, the mayor has appointed her as the head of a task force yeah. about honesty, honesty in mm-hmm. our police department and and how we treat Funny people. Funny how that is, Yeah. She, I mean, she's been on the comment section of the Inlander. She teaches all over. She's the cha- everyone knows she's the cha- mm-hmm. the president of the local chapter of the NAACP. I mean, this woman is huge. She was even named one of the most influential women in Spokane uh, mm-hmm. in the last uh, issue of the Catalyst magazine. I mean, it's huge. It is, and I will say, I do want to say that right now the NAACP uh, released a statement a few days ago saying one's racial identity is not a qualifying criteria or disqualifying standard for NAACP leadership. The NAACP Alaska, Oregon, Washington State Conference stands behind Miss Dolezal's advocacy record. So currently they're standing behind her. But do you think she can survive? Because the scrutiny, maybe mm-hmm. in the beginning there might have been a way. But the scrutiny is so it's at a national level now. Right, exactly. High pressure. She hasn't she has refused interviews by CNN, New York Times. She did say that she she is expected to speak at tomorrow's NAACP meeting, but she is not the the one clip that's being shown everywhere is when she is point blank asked by a reporter about whether she is African American. She says I don't understand the question. She avoids it and then she leaves. Right. That doesn't look good. No. So you did not can she survive it. this? You know, no matter what her record here's is. Here's what I think is however she comes out of this, uh, there is no way that you can survive such a high, a national level of a scandal and then survive unscathed or even with a job. I don't know that. 
I don't know that um, the NAACP can have such a scandal on their hands, really. Right. It's not even about the work that she does. It's about the scandal. And that's well, what we have made it, essentially. Exactly. Well, and it's the question of why go to such extraordinary lengths mm-hmm. to how you had to have known. I would think she had to have known at some point she had gone to such extraordinary lengths. Eventually, someone is going to say something and that part's going to come down. Right, Did she exactly. feel like she couldn't do good as, you know, a Caucasian woman? She couldn't be a Caucasian woman who celebrated this culture that she loved right. so, mo- so much. It's the lying, I think. They have... so. Well, and the line and the fact that she pretended that she had been abused and the fact that she had, you know, quote unquote, the black experience that she had gone through all of the uh, stigma, all of the segregation, all any any of it. You know, she went through that experience, actually stated that she understood because as an African-American, right, there's even an interview out there where a a lot of people are trying to say that she didn't. She said she was half black or whatever. Well, which also isn't true. But um, she also stated on an interview on film that she was mm-hmm. African-American. So those statements, and here's the thing. So a lot of questions are being asked from current NAACP members, and it's unfortunate because it is overshadowing the work that they're trying right, to do. Right. But, and some of those members have come out and said, listen, there's more to this story mm-hmm. than you understand. There's legal issues with her and her family that you don't know about. And, that, and so they have said that justifies their support of her. Here's my question to you. Yeah. Does that matter? Because you have just lied, and so already your integrity is called into question, mm-hmm. and already, here's the thing, then you better tell that story, because if that's the only thing that's making it plausible for other people, it's your only shot for public uh, acceptance, Exactly, is to share the story. So if you continue to hide, it, I just feel like, yes, it overshadows what good has been done, mm-hmm. but the point is, if you're going to not be... And it's a huge lie. It's not just a little one. It's huge. It's massive, yeah. And especially to do with the organization that she's in. I don't know how you can survive that. Right. I don't know how. Right. And that's the thing is it, it's it's about the integrity of the situation. It's not about her skin color at all at yeah. this point. I mean, it doesn't matter that she's been a white woman the whole time fighting right. for African-American rights. Great. Awesome. But the integrity of it, I mean, she, her younger brother, she said, was her son, right. um, who she does have guardianship over right now. But, right. I mean, posing with pe- people who she claims as her parents is not... That's is rough. not. That's rough. If you're going to be a public figure, can you do that? Right. You know, I and I don't know if you can. And it is a very, you know, she has a a history of great advocacy. Yes. And people are saying, listen, why is this going to take away the great work she did? But when you question someone's integrity, you question with which the way that they will lead. Mm -hmm. There are currently allegations that, you know, a few months back, she uh, said she received hate mail and a mysterious box in the mail. Right. And there are allegations. There was an investigation. Obviously, the F- FBI has to get involved when it comes mm-hmm. to allegations like that. Um, there are allegations that there was never a timestamp on those pieces of mail. So it would have never come through the post office. And the only other way it could have come to her, her box is if she, someone with the key, I won't say mm-hmm. she, but someone with the key to that box had put it in there themselves. Right. So there's already all of these questions and i think that has to question in which the way someone leads and here's the thing is when they presented her with these allegations and said hi did you did you plant this hate mail in i mean this box into your own 
you know, P.O. box. And she right. said, no, why would a mother of two children do that? And immediately right there, she continues with her lying because she's not a mother of two yeah, children. She's she doesn't have that experience. She wouldn't. I mean, mm-hmm. everything she does is essentially a lie. Yeah. And, and can that's you, the problem. Yeah. Can you keep that up? And let's talk about one of the most interesting comparisons that yes. probably is controversial, but came from her own brother, Ezra, I believe is his name, who said, you know, he loves his sister. He loves the track record she has in her fighting to stop racism, but he does compare this to her version of blackface. That is hugely controversial. Yes, that I is will say the intention behind the the definition of blackface and what she's doing is different, but I see where he's coming from. Now, here's the thing. I definitely disagree with the comparison of her right. and blackface. I mean, I don't think she was doing... I mean, blackface The is, intention was not to yeah, make it's a not, mockery exactly, at all. Exactly. Not mockery at all. She was fighting for, and everything she did in, in, in terms of helping the black community was positive and amazing. Um, everything she did in terms of her integrity was not. Now, here's an interesting thing. I mean, so many conversations have been started by this story uh, nationally, and one of them was transracial. People have compared her to Caitlyn Jenner, saying, well, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, you know, is transgender, but why can't she be transracial? What if she was a white woman who is actually a black woman just born white? And now here's the thing, completely different. You cannot compare uh, race to sexuality and gender like that. Um, and a lot of people, especially conservative Christians, would come out and say, well, all you left wing, you know, uh, progressives mm-hmm. will stand by Caitlyn Jenner. But when someone chooses to be a different race, you uh, knock them down. And it now, is apples and oranges. It is apples and Period. oranges. Completely different. Yeah. And I get what they're trying yeah. to say, but it isn't true. No. And that's not it, because this calls into question so many other things. I do say there's a listener comment currently that says, I almost wonder if gay for pay quote-unquote, gay-for-pay porn stars are an equivalent, or comparison at least. Mm -hmm. People who are not gay, but due to benefits that they can receive by being something else, they choose to play gay in porn or whatever because they get a financial benefit. So he's saying, can we compare Rachel Dolezal, Mm -hmm. who is getting a benefit, and we can't deny, you know, she's she's worked within uh, the African-American community and fought and fought a, a good, you know, Fight good track record, but she is. Is there something in her head that made her go, I'm probably going to do more and be afforded more in this fight if I am right. African American? Well, and the thing I think of is what made her I mean, I mean, she is a very white person generally. I mean, she right. was European. Her her grandparents yeah. had no they released color pictures descent. Exactly. Childhood and Very much, you know, European, the German mm-hmm. uh, descent. So, why did she choose to fight and become an African American woman when she could have just as easily fought for women's rights? I mean, right. that's still happening. If she wanted something to fight for, why was this the cause that she chose and why did she do it in this manner? Well, and I get that she was very connected in some point. I like she really felt connected to the African American community. Yeah. And I love that. And she wanted to fight. We talk a lot about being an ally mm-hmm. that just because we are Caucasian gay men doesn't mean that we cannot be an ally to, you know, we marched with the transgender community because we believe greatly in the rights of all people. So I get that you can be an ally, but to take it to this extent mm-hmm. does begin to question what is going on. You know, she went to um, 
a famously wonderful uh, African-American college, Howard University, historically this yes. amazing college for African-American students. And she went there, and the you know right now the story that's going around is they're talking about how she, you know, you don't have to check a box of what your race is to go there. And um, that it was hard for her because she showed up a white girl, and mm. then, you know, there was a lot of backlash against her. And so her, her brother alleges that this created a self-hate in right. her for being and a hatred for for white people but i don't think that's i think this issue goes much deeper why you know i just feel like why did she have to take it this step and then lie about it right you know right. if you want whatever you want to do with your parents is your business but then you started proclaiming to be something that you weren't mm-hmm. and then you know what i mean i feel like she's hurt what is obviously an important to her and her what she wants to fight for with her with her life, which I, I totally get, but she's hurt that side of her by being so like untruthful. Oh yeah. You oh yeah, I mean? absolutely. She has been untruthful and honestly not herself. So we don't really know who this Rachel uh doles out person no, is. Do we? I think you're exactly right. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. We, you said it. We had a conversation, obviously, about this prior to airtime, and you said it. We all have skeletons. All we of do. us. Mm-hmm. We all have things that we we're not upfront. But if you're choosing to be in a public leadership, you need to be a little more open, or at least don't avoid when it comes to light, because that's hurting you even more. And honestly, to wait until Monday after this broke at the beginning of last week. Mm-hmm. is probably doing even more damage to your credibility. You need to figure out a way to step forward and discuss why. Because it's obvious you're not going to be able to step forward and tell us you're African-American. You can't say, you're not going to step forward and say that was your dad. You can't, those lies are done. Exactly. So now how we do you know step forth yeah. in in the light and say, here's the deal? Because now, unless you come completely real with us, I'm not sure I can trust anything out of your mouth. And that is unfortunate, but it's the fact. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And so tomorrow, I guess we will see what uh, her and her NAACP uh, speech will bring and what that sheds, you know, light upon. And honestly, I don't think the story's dead for a while. I don't think so, no. Um, And I think in Spokane, there's a lot of people. And like we said, you are more than welcome to call in and give us your opinion. 509-747-3807. There are a lot of people who are pro-Rachel, and there are a lot of people who are mad about the situation. And there are a lot of valid points on both sides. And if you want to tell us what your side of the point is, we'd love to hear from you. But I think this conversation, unless she begins to actually talk to the press and talk to the public and come clean... I'm with you, and I do not believe there's any way she's going. It's going to be a lot of damage to her life and her career, and that's unfortunate. Maybe it's time to realize you need to step up. Mm-hmm. And don't hide behind excuses because ain't nobody got time for and that. And don't stop hiding behind those lies. Yeah, you are not the person you have claimed to be for so long. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now to kind of a more positive note, Outspoken received support from Nine Bar and Bistro featuring a full bar food menu and trivia on Thursday nights located at 232 West Sprague Avenue. More information is available at 509-747-1621. Outspoken is funded in part by the Pride Foundation. For more information, visit pridefoundation.com.
org. I want to say one last thing. When this story broke last week, so we've said many times we share stories throughout the week um, on our Facebook page with each other, so we know what kind of like mm, what what might be interesting to talk about. And when this story broke, I remember I put it in our page and I said, I have no idea what to say about this. <laughs> Just Hon- no honestly, <laughs> when it first broke, I. I kind of laughed to myself and thought, this is ridiculous. This is not a real story. That's what I thought. And then as soon as I realized, oh, wait, this is a real story. The first thing I said was, wow, Rachel, you you nailed the hair. You did that, girl. Yes. I can't believe you did it for... How (laughs) did no one know for 10 years? I was a little bit impressed. I was a little bit impressed. Well... And that's the the funny part. Like, I also was with you. I'm like, this can't be... And then I thought... Someone paid the parents. Exactly. Someone. Exactly. Did, I thought it there has to be. To be and something. now, as every day has moved and more uh, facts have been revealed by different mm-hmm. press uh, organizations, it became more and more like, I really feel like someone drugged me and I'm having a weird trip. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is weird. But yeah, yeah. everybody's saying, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we wouldn't have known. And very well-spoken. Yeah, woman exactly um, obviously exactly. well versed in african-american history and a powerful woman in the community passionate about Very what passionate, she's doing yeah. but yeah. integrity needs to be a key part of that and i think we've lost that well, in this situation you know i'll take that as a segue into another woman who is passionate mm-hmm. very well-spoken and there are a lot of questions about her integrity going around that you nailed it right there hillary clinton let's talk about her she just did her first uh, speech in her campaign over in New York, New York this week. Yeah, and I mean, as expected, as any, uh, there were some unexpected things and some expected. As expected, a lot of the the speech was to reaffirm her alliance, her uh, her being in line with the Democratic Party right. and what they stand yes. for. So those are what we expected. We expected her to talk about what they're talking about, which is uh, raising minimum wage, mm-hmm. which is equality in gender pay, which all the things that the Democrats right, are taking exactly. on. Hot she topic issues. And then she goes and I think she takes a really a kind of a step forward. First of all, she is, of course, supportive of the LGBT community and she is supportive of full equality, not just marriage equality. She yes. wants the non-discrimination clause in there. She wants doctors to be able to give full service to all people, including the trans. So, I mean, she really takes another step. But what really got me was when she was, I mean, of course, if you're in a Democratic Party, you're going to rail on some of the Republican Party. That's just how it works. How you it can happens. play nice, but you're going right. to be essentially enemies but if you of the play nice, world. the other side is gonna be a sniper exactly. and take you down because you didn't so there's i think there's yeah. a yeah something that the clintons have been good at since when uh her husband was governor in arkansas really good at stylizing the way in which they attack right for lack of a better term the mm-hmm. other party it's a it's a soft attack if you will yeah um so anyway so she brings up basically what the Republican Party's trying to do, and she says they are trying to, and it is true, they are trying to take down the Health Care Act without any other alternative. alternative. That's it. What if we said 5,000 times on exactly. this show? If you want something different, provide an alternative. Yes. Give and us the difference. We've talked about Boehner going yep. on CNN mm-hmm. and being asked point blank, what is, if you want to take apart the Affordable Care Act, what is your alternative for it? And there's a silence because there isn't one. Exactly. And she's saying, be accountable. If you got something, you better, if you want something to go away, you better bring something else to the table. And that's the problem. We don't see that very much. I mean, even when we interviewed Mike Fagan here, and he was against the uh, the SDA proposal for expanding yes. the bus uh, system, we asked him, and he never answered us, no. what is your alternative? And there if wasn't not this, one. what? 
Yes. And there yeah, wasn't and one. you were point mm-hmm. blank. Yeah. And here's the problem. That's a political move. Exactly. Or they'll talk out the clock. You know, they'll yeah. avoid what you say. They know they have a certain time limit for whatever show that is on. They'll talk enough until they don't have to answer that question. Mm-hmm. She's coming out and saying, hey, I want you to answer the question. We're going to answer it now. Right, exactly. The thing to remember, of course, with any political uh, person running for office, especially when it comes to president, two things are going to happen. You're going to be attacked. She has said publicly in her speeches, you know, right now you talked about integrity being questioned. They're yeah. talking about the yeah. Clinton Foundation. They and are. They feel like there's been some, as we know in Spokane, some back back alley deals going on uh, in order for the foundation to get money and mm-hmm. that she used her state uh, State Department's you know, influence to right, get exactly. those things. And she says, hey, this I know what's coming in a campaign. I've been here before, and I'm ready. And so that's being attacked. The other thing we know is it's her first campaign speech, and she is going to say, like anyone, good politician, exactly what the people that she knows are going to vote for or she has a better chance of, she's going to say what they want to hear. Because I always say, I need put your money where your mouth is. And we honestly are not going to know from any candidate if they're mm-hmm. going to follow through with yeah. campaign promises. But you look and go, who's the one that I think is more closely going to do that? Exactly. Well, and I mean, you know, based on what party they belong to, generally where they're going right. to. No one's going to follow through on all their promises. And and Hillary says that. I mean, she says, uh, I'm not perfect. I've made my share of mistakes, but I'm going yes. to do my best. And that, I mean, there's a little bit of a vulnerability you see in her and that she realizes, yes, I've made those mistakes and admits to them. Well, and here's the thing. That's new. Yeah. Uh, that she is new. has been called many times for called out for being a little colder. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. It's a lot like the attacks that happened to Mitt Romney when he ran for president. They called him a robot. Yeah. They just call her as she hides the truth a lot. And so I did notice that in this situation that's going on right now that she is trying to be right up front and show a little more vulnerability right she one of the key things that she talked about in her speech was she kept telling the story of her mother her mother who Mm -hmm. was abandoned Mm -hmm. at the age of 14 who had to uh be a maid on her own and that only made it through to go to high school because of the kindness of someone that she worked for so she's trying to say listen i understand what it's like to have to work for where you're at, and it's time that we stop giving the breaks exactly. to the, to the exactly. people who are billionaires, and we start trying to bring the middle class up, which is a hard thing because they've been buried for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so she's trying to be more human. She's trying to humanize her speech and 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 her image. right, right, exactly. And I mean, of course, we we would expect for her uh, to talk about, like you mentioned, the middle class. Middle class mm-hmm. economics is a big thing right now uh, in the Democratic Party. So well, she did hit a lot of the key notes that we were looking for. Um, but that you said it, that personal. She's trying to humanize her campaign and herself, and that personal, I think, uh, note is what is getting us closer uh, to being, you know, pro-Hillary. And I right. think that's what people are looking for. And she mentions that after the whole scandal with the uh, Clinton Foundation, I mean, she mentioned that she wants to get big money out of there. She wants yeah. true democracy um, well, once face, and for all. 
The fact is she has to want she money has out to. of there. Exactly. Because because of what the Koch brothers have done, right. no one's going to mm-hmm. raise more money than the Republican no Party. One right now. There's too much money there. So she has to make it about something else. She has to try right. to remind right. people that it should be about the issues. So I mean, brilliant political move on and, her part. Oh yeah. And PR PR team, excellent job. Oh, her PR, PR team, team is, is great. Is on it. So here's mm-hmm. the thing. So now I think yesterday just marked the, oh, here's the starting line. Oh, yeah. And we're going to see a lot of throwing trash at each other. But here's the thing. So, you know, I always go back to when I first learned that campaign promises mean very little. It was honestly (laughs) through her husband's uh, presidential campaign. He was very pro-LGBT. And, of course, notoriously, the president that signed into law, DOMA, uh, and don't ask, don't tell, is here he is. And so mm-hmm. the gay community at that time, we felt very betrayed. Yeah. And it was hard. And yeah. yet the odd thing is a lot of us still think it was a good administration, but we were sold out. <laughs> so, and that's the fact. But here's the thing. So a lot of the questions from those of us who lived through that uh, situation is Hillary is saying pro this, pro that. Yeah. Is she really going to be? She was never, you know, she talks about the evolution Mm-hmm. of her stance on uh, LGBT rights. But I, I have to say, here's one thing. If you don't think you can believe Hillary as just her saying that she is, the other thing is we're at a point in history that I don't think, I feel like probably President Clinton had a lot of pressure from all sides, just like our current administration, just like the Bush administration. They all have so many people. You know, yeah. There's more than yeah. just them making the decision. So much goes into it. I do have to say that I think we're safe in the fact that because of where we are as a movement, the president of our United States is going to push, going to be able to push right. for more rights with for less us. Pressure. With mm-hmm. less pressure. It's right, going right. to be a little bit, but not enough that they would change it. So I actually believe she'll stick to most of those campaign promises. And I agree. And here's the thing is, even if she doesn't stick per se to all her campaign promises, the other option is someone who doesn't promise and absolutely will not stick with those campaign promises. We have to look that Hillary is promising a lot, but she's promising things we need. Whereas the Republican side, none of them are promising any of the things the LGBT community needs, and they definitely will not deliver. And I think that Hillary's greatest um, uh, challenge right now is the fact that she is the main Democratic candidate, and all of the Republican candidates can fling at her all all they want. And there's a lot of them. cannot target 27 people individually and make such a big impact, because that is a mess on that side. So this is what I think. It's really going to come down to how she handles herself. First of all, there's going to be a lot of pressure. It's going to be very easy to break. Mm -hmm. Under that pressure, maybe say something you shouldn't say. I mean, that's going to be there. If she can keep her poise, I think that's going to say even more about her character than anything, because she, you're talking, yeah, you're, you're not kidding. Like a whole platoon of guns are aimed right at her, right at, mm-hmm. and she is their one target. And let's face it, she's most likely ninety nine point nine percent, probably hundred, but we'll go ninety nine point nine, going to get the Democratic nomination right. at the Democratic convention yeah. because I think the Democrats know their best way to get to the White House and to have the first woman president is to stick to Hillary. Oh, absolutely. You know what I yeah. mean? It's it's just the smartest play for them right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I I. Hey, we've said it many times on this show. Um, as gay people, I think we can only hope for a Democratic president. I think to to get anything else, yeah. no matter what things it's going to get you, mm-hmm. it's going to take away more from you than you're going to get. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we have to be honest about that. That's we really do. We really do. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that now that Hillary's officially started off the... Um, 
you know, the main portion of her campaign. Yeah. We'll see a lot more of um, Ron Ron Paul probably coming out. We'll see Ted Cruz definitely We're gonna starting out. I mean, we'll see a Ted lot Cruz. of Ted. <laughs> We're yeah, going to see more of Ted Cruz than I ever want to see. Ever. I've ever. already seen more than I need <laughs> yeah. to know. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of the other side coming out. But meanwhile, we will be listening to uh, a song. This Blake McIver was actually here in Pride. Uh, he did in Spokane a stage yesterday. show, all of his original stuff. He danced on that stage. He looked good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. He, I do want to admit. Okay, remember last what two weeks ago when we interviewed yeah. Julie Goldman? Yeah, and I talked about how she's on Bravo's The People's Couch. So is Blake McIver. Look at that. And I think that's so great because I, I know these two people. Here's this musician, gay musician, and here's this guy on the people's couch i didn't realize they were the same person right <laughs> so, yeah so he gets up on stage and i'm like and you hey, realize it yeah i know you and he's funny yeah he's he's the three <laughs> gay guys that sit on the couch he's one of them uh, so anyways that. a lot of fun very talented man so yeah absolutely so we're gonna be playing and you know big shout out to queer sounds for kind of organizing and being in charge of the main stage on pride not even kind of they just took Ab- it. oh yeah absolutely uh l- yesterday that was a huge success amazing i mean for one of our biggest prides yet yeah thank you so much queer sounds you guys are you just it. amazing amazing so here it is i wish i didn't need you blake mckay hi i'm margaret cho listen to outspoken you are listening to my outspoken on KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And you are back with us. If you just joined us, uh the first hour we had the um the police the police, no, the fire department was on, uh Brian Schaefer, and that was a lot of fun talking about their uh sensitivity training that they start tomorrow morning. Um, which is kind of exciting. We've been pushing for for all of our public services to have those, and our amazingly wonderful Bob uh, McNeil over at um, Queer Sounds is helping to run that with Jude, her lovely wife. So they're going to do a great job on that. And that's amazing tomorrow. that they're doing that. I, I do it. love that. Now mm-hmm. we want to talk about. So we we just got finished talking in the in the dish about the Rachel Dolezal scandal yep who's the current president of the in spokane chapter of the naacp and we just finished talking about hillary clinton kicked off her campaign with the first campaign speech in new york and i do want you to know that there was a caller who called in and sergey let me tell you what he said and then let's talk about it let's talk about it Um, he said he feels like you and i are taking too narrow of a view just based on lgbt issues for hillary for president okay so before we start the discussion, because I know what our stance is on it, right. uh, essentially, I want to say that we are predominantly an LGBT show, so we that do tend is, to have that, that is where I we're mean, coming from. I've got to give our caller, I mean, first of all, thanks for listening. Second of all, yeah. you have a point. And Absolutely. We definitely we don't take that mm-hmm. away from you. That yeah. is, And that is what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what we do for the show. Beyond that, we have other ways that we, you know, might align with exactly. what she's saying beyond. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. But like I think we need to say what like we've said as members of the LGBT community I don't know I don't really have the luxury of looking at a Republican candidate unless yeah. they are all of a sudden and it's not going to happen the they have changed everything about how they stand overnight Exactly here's the thing is foreign policy economic policy i mean any homeland security any of those big topics that you're going to hear about in the campaign 
for me at least, they do not hold a candle to LGBT rights because the thing. Yeah. when I want to live at home, I do not want to be kicked out of my house. I do right. not want to, a doctor to come and say, I can't serve you because you are gay. I yeah. do not want to be kicked out of my job. And yeah. those are very valid points because I would rather have, you know, as someone who I disagree with, which I, I'm going to personally say I wouldn't, but someone right. I disagree with and still have those rights, then the opposite side. Right. And I think it. I, those are extremely valid points. And yes, and it may seem like to some that's a naive view to say that's all you're worried about. But here's the thing. If I have no rights, then nothing else matters. Right. And let's we have said it on the show before. Whoever is the next president is most likely going to have to appoint, if they do a two-term like most presidents do, they're going to be appointing four Supreme Court justices. Exactly. Look at what's happening right now with the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. They're making they're making judgments that affect our lives directly. So you're not you have to tell me. A Republican president is not going to appoint people who are going to really most most likely are not going to align with the LGBT community. Correct. Right. Exactly. If exactly. This had happened before this. What's going on right now? Before this. Before this discussion with the right. Supreme mm-hmm. Court, and it had been a Republican president, we wouldn't be there. We wouldn't be having this June decision that we're all waiting for. Mm-hmm. Right. It's been said many a times, can we afford that luxury? Yes, we need to be worried about foreign policy. Yes, we need to be worried about economics. Yes, we need to be worried about jobs. And that's, but that's if it. I have yeah. no rights, it really doesn't matter. And you know, when if you are to say that all we focus on is LGBT, that's very incorrect because LGBT is just our top priority. Yes. That's the top priority and everything else we care about. We absolutely want, um, we absolutely want good policies everywhere else. And, you know, it's just it just really matters to us that we have our lives first. Yeah. And I think and here's the thing. I love that that caller called in and I love that uh, that said, listen, I want to disagree with you, boys. I, I don't think this is where it's at. And so here's the thing. We have said it a million times. Our responsibility in media is to rep- here. We're going to give you our point of view. Do not ever just take our point of view. Yeah. If it gets you fired up or if it makes you start thinking, I think then you take it to the next level and you say, now I need to go find out why I think the boys are completely wrong, (laughs) you know, but Mm -hmm. um, because it's all about discussion and we we welcome that completely. Absolutely. We do. And uh, we love discussions. We love opposing views and we love different views. And that's why we have so many uh, guests on our show that maybe don't, you know, conform to normal views. So right now we are going to be talking to Greta Christina. Yes, Greta Christina is a regular atheist correspondent for Afternet, Free Inquiry, and The Humanist, and has been writing about atheism in her own Greta Christina's blog since 2005. She's actually going to be down in the Tri-Cities of Washington for their Pride Week. She does lots of speaking tours, and we are very excited to welcome Greta Christina to The Outspoken Show. Greta, are you there? I sure am. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for taking time. And I should ask first, can we, what would you like, should we call you Greta or should we stick with Miss Christina? (laughs) Greta's good, thanks. Okay, thank you so much. First of all, thank you. You're going to be up in our neck of the woods here next week, I believe. Is that correct? I am, yeah. On, oh, I don't have all the information right in front of me. I should have had that in front of me. No, don't you Uh, worry about it at all. I'm giving a talk um, on uh, coming out as as, as an atheist, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm both, I'm an atheist and I'm also bisexual. I've been involved in the LGBT community for many, 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 many years. So really. Um, And I'm going to be giving a talk about coming out as an atheist and some of the similarities and differences uh, between coming out as an atheist and coming out as LGBT. So you're just a fighter, really. You, You say what you are, you say 
say how you feel, <laughs> and you do not let anyone stand in your way. I love that. That's You're the right <laughs> person on our show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Definitely. Now, let's start talking about you are also known to be a little controversial, probably more in the uh, the Christian right area of of the country, uh, but which, because that's such a big area right now, are being the most loud, you're probably seen as even more controversial now because you represent a viewpoint that for some find threatening. Why do you think that is? So you're talking about atheism? Yeah, athe- um, I yeah. think that, a- that a lot of people find, a-, a lot of religious believers, especially very hardcore extremist right-wing religious believers, uh, find atheism very threatening in many, in many ways more so than differing religious beliefs. Uh, because, you know, if you look at somebody who, you know, they have a, they still believe in God, they just believe in a different God from the one you do, um, it doesn't question the very idea of religious faith, you know, but the very fact that atheists even exist, even if we're not arguing with you about religion, even if we're not trying to talk you out of, you know, your religion or explain why we think, you know, we're right, um, it still, it questions the very idea of believing in things that you kind of don't really have any great reason to think are true, you know, that you're right. really taking yeah. on faith as opposed to uh, taking on evidence. And and I think that, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, I don't know if you've looked at any of these poll numbers, but rates of religious non-belief are going up at a yes, really, really awesome are. rate yeah. in the United States and all around the world. Uh, they're especially going up among young people. Yes. And I think that there's a lot of very hardcore religious believers who find this very threatening, you know, because, you know, their kids are growing up, their kids are being exposed to atheism, and they're questioning their religion. And even if they don't leave, even if they don't become atheists, they're still asking questions that are very difficult to answer. Right, absolutely. Now, we live in a world where we have probably more churches than we have Starbucks. I mean, in the United (laughs) States, we are claimed to be such a God-loved country, all that um, how do you find being an atheist in and, and surrounded by you know all this Christianity or religious really, I mean bullcrap? That that's all I have to say. But how do you find existing as an atheist in all of this you know dogma around us? You know, it really varies. Different atheists have very different experiences. I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. I live in San Francisco, uh, which is pretty progressive, pretty moderate. Uh, the religion that is there isn't very, you know, there are religious believers here, obviously, but they're not super hardcore or, or intolerant for the most part. Right. So I'm lucky. Um, and yet, even I, you know, run into uh, a fair amount of anti-atheist bigotry, intolerance, the misunderstanding, mythology about us um, in San Francisco. And also if I travel, if I leave San Francisco, then uh, forget about it. Um, certainly other atheists say that it can be difficult. It can be difficult to be you know, in parts of the country where religion is the basis of mm-hmm. society, yeah. it's the basis of socializing, it's the basis of community building, it's how you get support, it's how you meet friends, it's how you find dates. Yeah, right. um, that's, uh, if you have stepped out of that, then that can be very isolating. The plus side is that in parts of the country where there is a lot of religion, that's actually where the atheist communities are often the strongest. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't know, just how much atheist community building is happening all over the country and all over the world. There's people who are coming together, you know, to provide the kinds of social support and practical support, opportunities for doing charitable work and social justice work and service work and so on that people typically get through the churches. And those are cropping up 
all over the country. At this point, as far as I can tell, there's an atheist community in every major city in the United States and in a lot of smaller cities as well. Uh, so that's the plus side, is that if you do come out uh, as, a, as a non-believer, you know, you may run into some resistance and you may run into some hostility, but, you know, there are there is an atheist community to support. And one of the things that's been interesting, so I wrote this book, Coming Out Atheist, How to Do It, How to Help Each Other, and Why. And I, I researched it. I, I read, I did interviews or read writings of over 400 atheists and other non-believers to talk about their coming out experiences. And I was very surprised to find that it goes better than people expect it to. If you're a non-believer, you know, if you're scared to come out, if you're scared to tell your family, you're scared to tell your friends or your people you work with, whatever, most of the time it actually eventually turns out okay. And it's not that there aren't really horrible stories and sad stories. There definitely are. Uh, but I was ex- when I was starting to research this book, I was like, you know, had the bottle of bourbon by my side going, <laughs> oh, my God, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be just so depressing. I'm going to need to, you know, just, you know, this is going to be really hard reading. And and it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Most people who have come out as non-believers, it's kind of like coming out as, as gay or lesbian or bi or trans, even if it's difficult. And right. even if you do have difficult conversations and upsetting conversations, most of the time it turns out okay eventually, you know, although it can take time. And even if it is difficult, most of the time people are glad that they did because that you know, that secrecy is really hard to bear. Right. I mean, I have to admit, so uh, one of my most significant relationships, he was an atheist, and my parents, my dad was a Baptist minister, and I made him promise for six years, don't you ever tell my mother that you're an atheist, or Mm -hmm. because that would have been, in my family, really wouldn't have been a nuclear war Mm -hmm. in that moment. And that's the hardest thing to be able, we don't think about, you know, being, you know, a gay man. I think the hardest thing in my life has been, coming out as a gay man, but there are, you know, have to think beyond myself, this is a huge issue, especially in a country that purports, you know, all the time that we are a Christian-based society and that that's how we started. Yeah, which is, of course, the thing that's interesting about that, though, is there's kind of this mythology about, oh, America is such a Christian nation, exactly. and yep. of course, it didn't actually start as a Christian nation, it very Thank much started you. as Thank you. a secular mm-hmm. nation, and one of the whole points of the founding of this country was that it was founded you know, on the idea that the government shouldn't be involved in religion. Exactly. But even socially, it's like when you look at the number of people who say they're very religious, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who say they are, but then you look at the number of people who actually go to church and how often they go to church, yep, yeah. and church attendance is way down, and mm-hmm. it's dropping every year. So there's kind of this disconnect, I think, where, where a lot of people in this country like to think of themselves as religious, but aren't really and or aren't really that religious or that observant. And I think that that's one of the ways that atheism is kind of, on the one hand, that makes it difficult because that you're kind of confronting people with, you know, you supposedly have these beliefs, but, you know, right. you know, what are you actually doing about it? But at the same time, that means that people might be more open to us than, right. than you think that they would. And, and again, that's, you know, overwhelmingly atheists who have come out of the closet that they think it was the right decision, and they're glad they did it, even if it was difficult. Right, sure. Um, and even if it was done in the face of, you know, very religious family or very mm-hmm. religious friends. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I want to say something really quick. So I was reading the—you uh, wrote a piece called Comforting Thoughts About Death that have nothing to do with God. And I want to say they're always growing up, you know, especially when I grew up in a very church-based household, there was always this very black-and-white— um, 
definition of, of atheists and atheists hate us and atheists, you know, there's no room. And yet I, what I notice about one of the first, the first paragraphs is this acceptance that there's some people who, who believe in God, maybe they're agnostic or they have beliefs, but they know that maybe they're not right. It seemed a little more, it wasn't so you are either an atheist or you are nothing to me. It was way more of a just understanding that we don't have the answers, kind of more acceptance that way. You even talk about, uh, in a, a talk I saw on YouTube, Why Are Atheists So Angry? You talk about the difference between a confrontational atheist and one that uh, wants to coexist. Talk to us about what the reality really is, uh, other than the mythology that, you know, in my church was taught, which is, well, stay away from atheists because they're evil and they hate you. Right. And the reality is there is a huge variety among atheists of how we feel about religion. Um, overwhelmingly, atheists, even if they have strong dislike of religion, and, and some of us do, they still they don't feel that way about religious believers. They have religious believers in their family. They have religious believers in their friends. And, you know, there's this thing that they disagree about. In some cases, it's a strong disagreement and an important disagreement. But, you know, they don't hold religious believers in contempt. There's maybe a handful of atheists who feel that way, but it's very, very rare. It's much more common for atheists to either be live and let live. We we don't believe in God, but you believe in God, and that's fine, and, you know, we just want to get along. Um, and even among atheists who are, you know, who do feel that religion is a mistaken idea about the world, a harmful idea about the world, they want people to, you know, they think, you know, they think they're right and, and, right. and want people to agree with them. Um, there's, it's, that still doesn't mean that they hate you or that they hate religious believers. It just means they disagree, just like we would disagree about anything. Yeah, right. You know, and that's one of the things that, that I think is very interesting about the perception of atheists is that very often atheists will be called intolerant or hateful simply for saying, I don't agree with you, simply sure. for saying, yeah. or even for asking questions, for saying, okay, so you believe in God. Why do you believe in God? What, what case can you make for, for God existing? And, you know, there's a number of us who feel like, you know, the question of whether God exists or doesn't exist, that's a question of fact. That's a question about how does the world really work. It's a yeah, hypothesis right. about how yeah. the world works, and we should be able to discuss that and debate it if we want to, the same way we discuss or debate any, right. you know, idea about how the world works. Um, but there's some, you know, so there's some atheists who do like to do that, who do like to engage and, and argue and debate. Um, there's some atheists who don't want to do that, who really just right. kind of want to do their thing and get on with their lives. And then there's some atheists who do, do different things at different times. Sure, right? yeah, you know, yeah. it's like there's times <laughs> when I'm in the mood for a good argument about does God exist, <laughs> and there's times when I'm just really not yeah. up for it, and I just want to talk about oranges and you black, you know? Right, <laughs> yeah. right, exactly, sure. Well, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people have a very, you know, like Jonathan said, one-sided perspective on atheists. And you, know, you have to realize they're all still people. We're all different just because you're atheist doesn't mean you're in this one little mm -hmm. box. And, uh, you know, there needs to be, I think, more advocacy in the atheist community. It, it reflects a lot of the LGBT because um, what I didn't realize until very recently is that in seven states, you can't hold a public office if you're an atheist. And so... Uh, there's a whole lot more discrimination there than the is let on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about I'm, any... I'm actually going to jump in and correct you on that. Yeah. Um, it, technically, those laws are on the books. 
Oh, but they've been found unconstitutional. So um, right. There's That's... no way that that would actually... Be the... Exactly. The Supreme Court has ruled you can nice. hold public office, you can be on a jury if you're an atheist. It's just kind of one of those obscure laws that right. books. But right. it and is true that there is real discrimination against Exactly, and, exactly. You know. and, and that's a discriminatory law, whether, it, I mean, it, it, it's really in act or not. But yeah, talk to us about the discrimination that you see or have seen as an atheist uh, since you, uh, so to speak, came out as an atheist. Uh, sure, absolutely. I mean, I've seen, I mean, again, I've been pretty lucky. You know, I live in San Francisco. I haven't experienced a lot of really in-person discrimination. Um but certainly I've seen it in other people. You know, people have talked about losing jobs. Uh, people have talked about losing custody of their children. Yeah. You know, there's right. like, judge, you know, family court judges who have explicitly said, I'm giving custody of the kids to the religious parent because they're religious. Um, you know, that kind of thing can go on. Uh, people, you know, can lose housing if their landlord doesn't like that they're an atheist. And it's important to clarify that's completely illegal. That is absolutely 100% illegal. Just like I said, it's not legal to tell people that they can't mm -hmm. run for mm -hmm. office if they're an atheist. Right. Uh, but discrimination, you know, what do you know? It happens anyway, even if it's against right. the law, and it's yeah. hard to prove. Right. So, um, and a lot of the discrimination, even if it's not that kind of illegal stuff, you know, like getting fired because you're an atheist or whatever, um, there's just a lot of bigotry and mythology about us, about who we are, about, you know, there's like you say, the idea that we're hateful, right. uh, that we don't have any joy in our lives, that we don't <laughs> have any meaning in our lives, that we don't have any basis for morality, right. you know, that if we, you don't believe in God, you don't have right. any reason yeah, to, to be a good person, which is ridiculous. Right. Right. Um, you know, we have empathy like anybody else does, you know. Um, so so that's a lot of what people are running into when they come out as atheists. But again, as you said, it's just like with LGBT, you know, community. That's why it is important that we come out. It's why it is important that we tell people who we are because that's what changes people's minds about it you know that's what there's all those polls about lgbt people showing that people are much more likely to support us mm -hmm. if they know one of us yes and the yeah. same is true for atheists when people once people know that they have atheists mm -hmm. in their lives mm -hmm. they're a lot less likely to be hostile now in an environment right now especially a political environment now it's always been there but it seems especially with the supreme court decision just around the corner at some point um and it seems like there's a lot of of anger and hatred from the Christian right movement just going on. And then, of course, with all the religious liberty laws that are happening, how does that affect not only being part of the LGBT community, but being part of the atheist community? How does that whole atmosphere uh, affect, you know, that uh, viewpoint? Uh, well, certainly, you know, something, you know, a lot of atheists are very concerned about the, the Christian right making inroads into government and making inroads into, into lawmaking and, uh, you know, making inroads into, you know, you know, public policy and Supreme Court decisions and so on. It, it is a, a great concern. In fact, a lot of atheists, even ones who aren't LGBT themselves, are very supportive of, of LGBT rights overwhelmingly. It's like there's a handful of homophobic atheists, but it's very rare because the main drive to be homophobic is, you know, the main re right. excuse that's given for it is religious. Um, so, and, and I think there's a lot of atheists who see this as it's all part of the same package. It's all part of the same problem, which is that religion is controlling government mm -hmm. in a way that it absolutely shouldn't be. Uh, so, so yes, certainly these issues are very front and center uh, for a lot of atheist organizations and a lot of the people in, in the community. Um, and, and, you know, especially that 
And I think, you know, if you look at the long view, uh, you know, I personally think that a lot of this sort of really fiery hatred and uh, against us, against LGBT specifically, and it's just against anybody who does things that the Christian right doesn't like, yeah. <laughs> um, is is because I think that they're scared. I think that they see that the society is changing. Yes. They see that people yeah. are letting go of religion, that people are letting go of extreme religion at a very high rate, and I think they're scared. No, I think that they're going about it the wrong way. I think that if that, you know, doubling down and insisting on being hostile to gay rights in a country that's overwhelmingly, you know, becoming more supportive of LGBT rights every day, um, I think that that's it's foolish. And there are, in fact, a lot of – I'm starting to see, like, Republicans trying to back away from the anti-gay stuff because they see the writing Absolutely. on the wall. They yeah. see that, yeah. you know, people's minds are changing. Um you know, especially among young people, again. But it's, um, you know, but that's, it's one of the problems with when you have this kind of very extreme religious faith, you know, how are, how are we supposed to prove that you're wrong about what God thinks? You know? Right, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, and, it, you know, in our country, in the United States, we do have a, not a great rep at, you know, doing the separation of church and state, especially with the Christian right. We're not so good at that. But there are countries out there that are absolutely all based in, you know, religion, especially Islamic countries where it's very extremist, very much you have to be this way or death, um, black and white. And, you know, you've said that it's a valid goal to be, you know, to have a world free of religion. Uh, elaborate on that and talk to us why you think that a world uh, would be better without any religion at all. Um, so, first of all, I should say, this is my point of view. There's some atheists who agree with me on this, there's some who don't. So, gotcha. yeah. I just mm-hmm. want to put that out there. Um, and there's a couple of things about that. One is just, I think religion is a mistaken idea about the world. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's, it, I think that, there, that God doesn't exist. I think a very good case can be made that God doesn't exist. You know, it can't be proven with 100% certainty. Almost nothing can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's no really good evidence to think that, that there is a God or that there is a supernatural world. And I think it's a mistaken idea about the world. And just on that basis alone, you know, I think that we shouldn't have wrong ideas. You know, it's, it's, it's better to understand how the world works because that way we know how to act in it. You know, if I, you know, know that I'm, when I die, I'm not going to get reincarnated or I'm not going to go to heaven, you know, I used to have religious beliefs. And when I let go of them, I started making more of this life. I started going, oh, this life is all that I've got, so I really need to get the most out of it that I can and, and do as much good in the world as I can here and now. So I think that just the very fact that I just think it's mistaken, therefore I think it's harmful, I also tend to think that the idea of religious faith specifically is can do more harm than other just mistaken ideas about the world mm-hmm. uh, because of this idea of faith, because it's not – you can't be proven wrong, mm-hmm. and so there's no reality check. If people believe a really harmful idea – about, like, say, climate change or something like that. Sure, right, yeah. You can theoretically, you can argue with them and you can show them evidence and you can show them the science and they could be persuaded that, okay, you were right and I was mistaken. You know, obviously not everybody does that because we're <laughs> human beings. We're not going to admit it when we're yeah. wrong. <laughs> but if you have a bad mistaken idea or a harmful idea and you believe it's because God is telling you that, 
how am I supposed to talk you out of that? Exactly. You know, it's, it's, you know, how am I supposed to persuade you that no, God is not telling you that he's telling you something different. Um, religious ideas are much more stubborn. They're much more resistant to being changed uh, because of that. And, and so that's another reason why, you know, I would like to, I, you know, I, I, and again, this is not all atheists. This is me. Um, I would like to see a world without religion, but I should clarify I don't want to see that happen by force. I don't want to see that happen by law. I absolutely support religious freedom. I, I think people have the right to believe whatever they want and to practice what they want as long as it's not doing harm mm-hmm. to other people. Um, uh, but I would like to see people persuaded out of religion uh, you know, over, over the long haul. You know, I have to say, one of my favorite moments in a movie, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a Ricky Gervais movie, and it's The Invention of Lying. One of oh, yeah. the most, I think, beautiful scenes, and, and you know, of people in my past would disagree, of course, is when his mother is dying, and he sees that she is so afraid, and he wants to give her comfort, and so he, in that moment, invents God to mm-hmm. give her that comfort. And I And do you think, and with that leading into the question of, the valid goal part, but is it possible for that to ever happen with the way humanity tends to seek that comfort? No matter if it's in their head, you know, we're going to try to find that thing that makes us feel all right about our state in the world. Do you think it's a goal that is ever really attainable? Well, a couple of things I would say to that. Uh, I actually do have a book about you talked about it earlier. There's a book out called Comforting Thoughts About Death yes. that has nothing to do with God. Right now it's an ebook, an audio book, and the print is coming out in September. And, you know, the thing is there are ways to deal with death. There are ways to deal with suffering that do provide some degree of comfort and peace without believing in the supernatural. And, and one thing that, um, that I found in talking with other atheists and humanists about you know, about death and grief and suffering, is that often religious beliefs about death are not actually all that comforting. You know, there's a lot of people who, you know, when they're, you know, struggling with death or grief or their own mortality, you know, if they have religious beliefs, it kind of poses more questions and it gives answers. And, you know, that because they kind of know that, okay, I don't really have any great reason to think this, they can't really think about their beliefs very carefully. It's something that I found, certainly for myself, mm-hmm. when I was a religious believer, that supposedly my beliefs about an afterlife gave me comfort, but I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I don't really have any good reason to think this, I'm just making this up, and that's not very comforting. Whereas right. my, my humanist and, and atheist and skeptical ideas about death and mortality if I am struggling with death, so, you know, my own mortality or, or the grief over somebody who's died that, that I miss, it's, I, can, I can examine my philosophies. I can really sit with them uh, mm-hmm. because I, I know that they're based in reality, and that does provide a kind of comfort um, that, that religion never did for me. And you know, when you look at you – know, the fact is that rates of non-belief are going up in, in some countries, well over half the population – is non-religious. In many countries in Europe, in Japan, I think, the rate of non-belief is, is well over half. And it's, you know, again, it's skyrocketing in the United States, especially among young people. And I think that if, especially as the generations wear on, if you were brought up to believe in heaven and then you have to let go of that idea, 
that can be traumatic and difficult. Yeah. Although, again, some people say, yeah, actually letting go of believing in heaven and hell, that was actually really a relief. Right. <laughs> and, but if you, I think you've been brought up uh-huh. just believing that, you know, that there's no afterlife and that this life matters is what matters and that, no, you're going to die. When you die, you're going to be gone, but people are going to remember you and the way that you change the world uh, is going to continue to, to ripple out even after you're gone. You know, that's, that, that is actually very, these ideas are very comforting. And, um, and I don't think we need religion. I just think we're used to it. You know, we're very used to religion being the way that we cope with death. And, but again, you know, rates of non-belief are going up at a very high rate. Lots yeah. of people are, are able to deal with these issues without belief. Well, and why do you think that is, that the rates of non-belief are going up uh, and, and that they're so high in countries uh, in Europe and Japan and in the United States just skyrocketing? Starting to go up. There's a lot of people, that's a very good question. A lot of atheists are having that conversation. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. One is, uh, there's a very good book called... Um, uh, by an author called uh, named Phil Zuckerman. It's called, I think, Society Without God, um, and it's about it, he studied uh, societies all over the world mm-hmm. uh, and whether they were religious or non-religious. And what he found was that for the most part, societies that are pretty stable, that are pretty happy, where the economy is pretty good, where there's a lot of equality, there's not a lot of corruption. Uh, you know, there's pretty good. Where you know, when it's a pretty good life. Uh, people start to let go of religious belief, and that religious uh, belief is very high in countries where things are where life is really terrible, where there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of inequality, there's a lot of oppression. So that's one big difference: is as we improve the quality of life for humanity, that's something that helps religion go down. Another reason, and there was just a, a sociological study that came out about this a, a couple of months ago. Um, that and this is just one study, so this is an absolute certainty. Uh, but this guy was looking at why is you know what's what's correlated strongly with rates of you know non-belief going up, and his theory is that it's the internet. Um, and that's not the only thing. There's a lot of you know he's not saying this is the only thing. It's the magic bullet, but the internet makes a big difference because it's you can't be isolated. From, from atheism yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's very just like it's difficult to grow up not knowing that gay people exist. Right. Um, it's very difficult to grow up at this point and not know that atheists exist. You know, if you just go to Google and look up people who don't believe in God or I don't believe in God, um, if you're having questions or doubts, it's very easy now to find other people who are questioning themselves or other people who will talk with you about it. Uh, you can read, you know, here's all the arguments why, you know, you know, 5,000 people who think God doesn't exist and here's all the reasons they give. Um, and so just that, that spread of information and the spread of dialogue uh, is, has a lot to do, I think, with, with why, uh, why this is changing. Now, what do you say to people, and I'm sure you get this from the other side a lot, what do you say to those that are saying, well, how do you have morality in a society if you don't have religion? Because obviously it's a very very narrow scope on saying that's the only way, but what do you say when you're attacked with that statement as an atheist? Oh, well, there's a couple of ways to respond to that. One is, I ask those people, if I could prove to you today with absolute 100% certainty that there was no God, 
would you run around killing people? Would you start stealing? Right. Would you start, you know, committing fraud? Would you set fire to your neighbor's house? And most people say, no, of course they wouldn't do that. Um, you know, we are social animals, you know, and social animals evolved with some kind of sense of morality. It's not just human beings. This has been observed in lots of animals. It's been observed in monkeys and rats and dogs. I mean, pretty much any social species has some sense of empathy, some sense right. of altruism, some sense of helping each other out, uh, because that's, you know, it's, it's our evolutionary niche, you know, it, right. it, that's how we survive. That's literally how we survive. And, um, and so what I say is, you know, we don't, you know, we do, most part, we don't do right and avoid doing wrong because we're afraid of being punished. We do right and avoid doing wrong because we want to think of ourselves as good people. And, and we have compassion for people. We have a sense of justice that's innate, again, as, as a social species. Right. And, you know, you know, so yeah, so that's, that's why atheists do good. And, and I think the main thing I would say is just get to know some atheists. You know, meet some atheists, you know, you know go to an atheist meetup. Uh, start visiting and you know some atheist sites online. Although of course online everybody's a jerk online, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know no matter what you believe. But, right, exactly. Um, um, but if you just start getting to know atheists, you'll just see that this is true. That atheists are are no more immoral, you know, than than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, you know, we 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 have compassion, we have empathy, we have a sense of justice, just like everybody else does. Exactly. And I like. That message. I think everyone should absolutely go and meet an atheist. That that will be their challenge. Always a fascinating conversation, and that's what I love about it. It makes your brain turn on. Now we do have a question from a listener, kind of a silly one here. Uh, What are your thoughts on things like the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and (laughs) you know religions like that that are kind of a almost a joke and mockery, like joke joke religions. Yeah, Um, right. I think that they can be very effective in getting people to think about their own religious beliefs. Um, there's a, there are a lot of people who have said, you know, when you ask atheists what got you to change your mind, what got you starting to question, some of them will say, I mean, I don't think they'll say the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster specifically changed yeah. my mind, <laughs> yeah. but certainly <laughs> it, it's when you, you, when you have to ask the question, why is the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster wrong, but the Catholic Church right? You know, what does the Catholic Church have any better reason to think that it's right, or any religion, the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, you know, the the synagogue, the the, the mosque, whatever, you know, does any religion have any better reason to think that they're right than the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster? Um, I think that it can get people to at least examine you know, their, their own faith and look at, well, why do I believe what I believe? And I think that that's, whether that gets people to leave religion or not, I think that's really valuable. I think we should all be asking, why why do I think the things that I think, and what basis do I have for thinking that it's true? Exactly. Now, I know we could probably forget that I'm we're on the radio and I could talk to you for about another eight hours, but <laughs> we're going to wind it down for you because I know you probably have things to do. But I do have one more question that uh, a lot of people have asked. You write these great books. You go out on speaking tours. You're one of the, the top uh, people to speak to about the atheist movement. Um, and there's actually, you have a lot of other things you write about that are very fascinating to me as well. But... Uh, 
what is your overall goal as you continue your career and you continue to go around and speak to groups and write books? What's your overall goal with with it? What do you hope to accomplish? I think the, well, that, that's a very large question. Yeah, I know, um, right. I don't just have one goal. You know, it's right. like I definitely, you know, I would like to persuade people out of religion because I think it's a mistaken idea. But that's kind of on the back burner right now. Um, I would say right now in my work with atheism, uh, my big goal is to create supportive communities, uh, to build supportive communities, to make those communities more welcoming to a wider variety of people. Um, and to to enhance atheist visibility, to really boost atheist visibility, to encourage people to come out. And I guess that's it. And I want to encourage people to come out, and I want to create an atheist community and an atheist movement that makes the world a safer place for people to come out into. What I love is that the conversation is very easy with you, and it always, it really gives you things to mull over and to talk about. And that's really what our show is all about, is the conversation and dialogue. So I appreciate that very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And if any of you listening out there uh, have been inspired by this conversation and love this conversation and want to have more, hear more, uh, Greta Christina will be uh, in Richland at the Riverfront Shiloh Inn on June 16th, 6 to 8 p.m. So go see her there. See, we got you covered. We, we found out you. where you were. Yeah. <laughs> you we'll got plug it for you. Thank you. I knew I should have had that. As <laughs> no. Hey, leave talking. that to so us. Thank you for that. Oh, definitely. Leave that to us. You have the great conversation, so we'll just team teamwork it. But thank you so much for taking time on this. Uh, it's a beautiful Sunday morning here, so thank you for taking time. And we look forward to seeing you down in Richland in the very near future. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks so much for having me, and I look forward to seeing you, too. Perfect. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. If you just joined us or you've been here listening to that conversation, that was a conversation uh, with Greta Christina. She is an author. She is a blogger. She uh, is one of the the people sought after in the atheist movement, but she talks also in her writings about sex positivity as well. Um, She's been around for a while. So if you get a chance, check her out down in Tri-Cities. Pride Week, which is this next week, as Sergey said, we will put up where and when again on our Facebook page. Um, go check her out. It's great to it's great to show different views and to have conversations with them because that's how we grow. I love different views, and I think everyone should. I I, I like this. Go find an atheist. Go talk to yeah. an atheist. Go hug an atheist. Hug an atheist. Hi, hug an atheist day. That's what it'll be. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna play a song by one of our favorites, Logan Lynn, uh, and this is going to be Hologram. Uh, listen to Outspoken on KYRS. Yeah, do that. Do it. It's <laughs> 88.1 and 92.3 FM, if you don't know. Yeah, Medical Spokane. Thank you. If you've just joined us, this has been a packed show. Uh, we had we talked about Rachel Dolezal and everything that's going on mm-hmm. with the NAACP in Spokane. We talked about Hillary Clinton kicking off her campaign. And, of course, we just got off the phone with renowned atheist Greta Christina, who is going to be down in the Tri-Cities in Richland specifically um, this next week. So look for those. We do want to say we had another caller call in. And I want to say, I want to say this to the caller. Maybe I'm going to have you email because I think I'm not sure our, our producer got it exactly. And we definitely want it was a very I could tell a good thought out question. Um, but I'm not sure he got everything that you said. So 
If you're listening right now, please email producer at hotmesssunday.com. He had a question for Greta Christina, and we want to get that question over to her. And then when we get it back, we're going to uh, talk about it on the air next week, and we'll send it directly to you because uh, valid questions made. Um, and I want to make sure I'm understanding what we're asking so I'm not asking the wrong question for you. But I love that people have been really engaged in today's show. Today is a very—yeah, and, and like you said, it's a packed show and really— not just packed, because, I mean, we really only talked about two subjects, but it's just been really meaty things to talk about. Exactly. And very in-depth. And, and that's what I love. Sergey and I, were, this is yeah. how weird we are. So we're excited because the two questions that came in today were kind of questions that the first one was about the Clinton campaign and didn't agree with us. And actually, that makes us happy because it means there's a chance for a dialogue and we get to hear opposing views. That's exciting for us, actually. And then, of course, this one, to ask Greta Christina, um, it has to do with specifically, I believe, specifically what religion she may be against, I guess. But like I said, I want to make sure it's the correct question so he can write in. But it was obvious that it was a question saying, hey, I want you to answer for something that I may not agree with. That's how dialogue happens, That is people. how dialogue happens. I, it, want, I want more people. Let's get a good percentage out there who agree and disagree with us because that's awesome. Amen, brother, but not amen in a churchy way because <laughs> we just got done talking about not church. Right. Um, no, but we, we, I mean, we've talked about things like uh, disagreement. I mean, in our blogs, we write a weekly blog. Jonathan's on Thursday. I'm on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we have had conversations about responsibility, but also the dialogue, being able to disagree, standing by where you are exactly. and disagreeing. That's the first step to getting anywhere because you have to hear someone out, listen exactly. to them and say, OK, you I'm not where you are at, but let's hear each exactly. other out. And honestly, as you mentioned, the blogs, I have some homework for people yeah. who are listening. I, I because we didn't have it. I know I didn't have a chance to talk about this today, and I think it's something we need to speak about. And I want you to go to hotmesssunday.com, go to Boy's blog, and I actually want you to read Sergey's blog this week. Um, yes, he's, yeah, you know, we are known for controversy. That's what we do. We you wrote a blog called Drugs for President. Drugs for President. And yep. next week, I want us to open the show. Everybody read it. I want to know opinions. First of all, my friend, boy, way to step way out. Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting opinion that we don't talk about. It is. Which right. is, what if we legalized all drugs? And all you the, are and not kidding And I'm not around. kidding. I want, I, I'm proposing legalizing everything, everything, cocaine, meth, heroin, all of it. Basing it a lot off it's, of there is a country that yes, is Portugal. Portugal. Mm -hmm. Which has this going on. And what did you say? What, which was interesting and fascinating to me in your article is that you said good things have yeah, come exactly. from. And I mean, in 10 years that they've legalized, let's, uh, let's be more clear. They decriminalized all drugs, uh, which, which does make them legal. They aren't selling them. Uh, that's kind of something that, uh, is, is a minor point. Um, but you know, ever since they decriminalized it, not only have drug use gone way down, they have the lowest marijuana use in all of the European Union, um, way lower than United States. Let me be let me be honest about that. <laughs> right. They're at ten percent, we're at forty. So right. if you if you think there's something to do with that, uh I mean it, it's been it's been great. I mean heroin use has gone down, lifetime use mm -hmm. of cocaine has basically gone down by half. Deaths from drugs have gone down by more than half and keep going down. And here's the kicker HIV related deaths and HIV new HIV infections have gone down way down uh by 17% just from drug infections because we all know IV needles 
are a huge and growing uh, contributor yeah, to Sharon HIV. Needles is yeah. is a quick way to mm-hmm. get. Uh, and disease. we don't mean the drag queen. Not Sharon. Needles, although maybe, but although we love her. But no, sharing needles. And here's the thing: I do. I this is what you're. I can tell you how part of the response is going to be. Yeah. Part of it's going to be. First of all, I want to know: Are we studying? Are we going over to Portugal and going? Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to know. Yeah. The yeah. in depth, because some people are going to say, on the surface, they have these numbers. How can you tell? First of all, why and if they're legit? Yeah. These absolutely. numbers are. Please ask these questions because the articles that I have read, I went back into and saw where and how they did the studies. And as far as I'm concerned, they are legit. But I would love, love, love anybody to go out there, research, dig into it, see how and what these studies uh, do represent, because it's a big topic. And I mean, I don't think it's coming to the United States anytime soon, but I won't stop uh, advocating for all legal drugs. Right. And what I find fascinating, so here's the thing. Hey, at least we know when you run for public office, you just laid it all off. I, did, I know. <laughs> yeah. No there skeletons in the closet. Nope. No lying. There's my stumbling block right there. Uh, or is it? And that's, you know, that brings us full circle to Rachel yeah. Dolezal. Or is, is it? it? How much of a stumbling block is it? It's going to be a stumble no matter what. Mm-hmm. But if you're honest from the beginning yeah. about something that may not be popular, is that as much of a stumbling block than if you hide where your stances are something or who you are, and then it is discovered without you being the one to give it a mouthpiece, which one is really the stumbling block? Right, exactly. exactly. Just to, you know, just to full circle everything, because I like to, You love full circles. I like to wrap mm-hmm. things up. In a nice way. little bow. I know, right? So this has been actually one of my favorite shows. I know. <laughs> I love the in-depth conversation. And right. what a comeback from uh, last shows, which was, you know, definitely messier than most of our shows. <laughs> right. We right. put the mess in our hot mess. We Sunday. do. And let's find out for our lucky viewers, or I guess our listeners. <laughs> listeners, yeah. <laughs> what we have to look forward to next week. So next week, we actually, since uh, we're down in Tri-Cities, we have our first uh, coffee talk so, that never got uh, aired. aired. So let's say that our, our interns, and let me tell you, there's an army of them now. There is. Went going through the vault, s- grabbing things and cleaning it out because it's, it gets hot, messy, and dirty in here. So, And they found a show that hasn't seen the light of day that mm-hmm. we actually recorded a, a little bit ago, and it is the inaugural Coffee talk. Coffee talk. And so talk in honor things. of that, as we're down in the in the Tri-Cities, we are going yeah. to get it out of the vault, and you can have a little history, a little nostalgia exactly. from your outspoken boys. And so look forward to that. That's going to be exciting. I mean, I'm pretty sure at that show, one of us offended a country or something, so right. stay tuned. There's going to be a whole nation calling. Something's happening. And saying, and I d- <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're a bad person. Okay, I'm dying right now because I'm looking at a calendar, yeah. and I want you to know that the week after that, the great thing is Max Adler, who is uh, from... Glee fame. He yeah. was on the series Glee. He's going to be on our show talking about a new movie he has, uh, Saga Tuck Cures. That's going to be very exciting. Um, that's also our next Straight Talk that we're having segment. That's and, right. Um, you know, you should just go look at our calendar sometime because it's, <laughs> it says Straight Talk with a Dude. With a Dude. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> which tickles me <laughs> so much. That's tickles hilarious. your fancy, huh? I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say, I bet you our producer, the Shmir, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Curter did that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, either he didn't know how to spell his name or he wasn't sure who he was. <laughs> but let me tell you. And let me just announce right now, it is going to be Sather Gowdy. Yes. Um, 
Uh, he's a really a dude. good friend. Yeah, he is a dude. <laughs> he's not wrong. He is a dude. <laughs> he's a bro, a homie bro. Is he, what he is. is. He's our man, our main man. We're excited. That man is educated. And, and he has opinions. And we have to be ready. That's oh, all yeah. I have to say is mm-hmm. Sergey and I try to stay up on our game. That man has created the the intellectual game. So yeah. we've got to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to go train really hard before exactly. we welcome Sather. And he will be joining us, our straight dude, uh, on June 28th. So lots of fun things coming on, coming up on our program. And we hope that you stay tuned, including some new segments. Just saying, we Watch might be those. getting a little more organized. Yeah, just it's, a it's little. It's happening at this moment. So we love it. This has been a fun show. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you had a great pride. And honestly... Pride weekend isn't over until no, no. tonight, so no. go enjoy. And Pride month has basically just started. It's not even halfway exactly. through Pride month, so don't don't let your guard down because Tri Cities Pride, uh, Women's Pride in Seattle is this weekend. We have Seattle Pride after that. I mean, Pride. Let's get filled with Pride. Don't take that the wrong way. That was not intended as an innuendo. But on that note, <laughs> we are going to say farewell and uh, until. Next Next time. time, America.